What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Welcome back to the one and only Cavs the Podcast, featuring commentary from all of your favorite Cavs the Blog bloggers. Now, sit back. Welcome to Cavs the Podcast. I'm Nate Smith. I'm here with Eli Kim, Chris Francis. There you go. There we and go. we got big news. We got big news. Um, we we teased it in the Twitter feed a little bit, but uh, Eli, I think I think you ought to be the guy to uh, to break the news. Um, I I know you've internalized it and you were excited about it on the Twitter feed, so. Tell, tell everybody what they've won. Well, everyone, we have been picked up. We are now the official fan-sided Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Um, so super excited to be part of the fan-sided slash Minute Media family. Um, and really excited for this next chapter. And hope that uh, we can continue to deliver our hour-long Cavs-centric spiels along with some of our favorite personal stories. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I was really excited to, um, you know, meet some of the guys that we're covering or that we're setting up the podcast network. And uh, we're going to be featured on Fansided. Cavs the blog is not a Fansided blog, but uh, the podcast, Cavs the podcast, is – is going to be the official podcast of Fansided, as we just mentioned. So we're, we're pretty excited about that. Uh, what that means for you guys is we are going to have some commercial insertions. But, um, you know, you'll still be able to find us on the same platforms that you were before and hopefully a few more. And, and hopefully this uh, increases the uh, listenership a little bit and, uh, and we, we get some new audience members and, and maybe draw some people into the comment boards and, and just get people jazzed about the Cavs. So speaking of being jazzed about the Cavs, Elijah, Kim, and I, Eli, as I like to call him, um, went to the Cavs 
draft party at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse last Thursday. And it only lasted through the lottery, which I think for a couple of diehard draft guys like me and Eli was a a little disappointing, but it, it felt a little thrown together, but that's okay. I was glad that there was excitement and buzz about the Cavs getting a really highly touted rookie. And I think everybody was pretty pleased with how the whole draft shook out for the Cavs. I mean, I think a lot of us would have liked them to, you know, trade into the second round or the late first and get another draft pick. But I don't think any of us are, you know, anything less than excited to, to watch Evan Mobley pay, play basketball. And the first game, I believe, is tomorrow, right? It uh, is. We're a little further away. It's the 8th, oh, okay. actually, unfortunately for us. Oh, it is the 8th. Okay, that's right. They're not in Salt Lake City. They're in Vegas. Yes, yeah. yes. Because right now the Salt Lake City Summer League's going on, or as they used to call it, the Rocky Mountain Review. But uh, tonight... <laughs> is that what they called it? Yeah, they you? called it the Rocky Mountain <laughs> Review. Yeah, I'm, I am old, Chris. I am full of useless information like that. Oh, that's so. great. That was, that was awesome. <laughs> the Rocky Mountain Review. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what they called it. Uh, I so. thought you were. I thought you were pulling my leg there for a second. No, Eli, do you remember that? I actually don't, but I don't <laughs> doubt it. <laughs> well, there used to be three summer leagues: one in Vegas, one in Orlando which was in like a practice gym and there was like no room and then one in Vegas and it's kind of coalesced into being one main one in Vegas. Although I, I don't no, know. They're if- still they're, today. They're doing now. They have Salt Lake city mm-hmm. and Los Angeles, I think. Okay. Or is it LA? I don't know. It's California. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's Salt Lake city in California this year besides, besides uh, Las Vegas. So you're still, you're correct. They're still doing it. They're they're doing something weird with, you know, doing a series of them. So interesting. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I mean, Eli, you want to give your impressions of the draft and kind of the buzz in uh, Cleveland in the Rocket Mortgage Field Fieldhouse. Yeah, I mean, it was um, definitely a fun event. Definitely had the feelings that they put it together kind of last second. A lot of concessions weren't open. Um, we had to begrudgingly eat stadium food instead of an actual meal. But um, we actually got a chance to check out the practice court. We were sitting in kind of an exclusive section, which was pretty cool because we're like right in front of the Humongotron. Um, so it was definitely great. I think a lot of people left after the third pick um, thinking that the night would be over, and they were correct. Uh, that was probably the... <laughs> the biggest uh, negative of the night, but my personal favorite moment besides drafting Evan Mobley was when Josh Giddy went number six overall and Nate, who's just an Australian in a different life, stands up and yells, Australia! And all these people are just staring at him like, what is this guy doing? But still uh, a very Doesn't fun anybody remember uh, laughter? <laughs> People do remember laughter. Well, yeah, you, you exactly. Know, I don't Come know if on, you, people. <laughs> if you've uh, been around this lo- blog long enough, you'll know that you know me and Corey Huey went up to a Cavs game in January and almost threw down defending uh, Delhi's honor. So, <laughs> wow, there we go. Way to represent. So, so I'm, uh, I, 
you know, ever since uh, my boy Simo sent me a Australia Boomers jersey, I uh, I'm my number two team after the U.S. squad is is Australia. So I actually have an Australia Delhi jersey and a Brazil Verizhou jersey, and I'm trying to think. Art, I'm hoping. I don't know if I'd go for an Osman Turkey jersey. I'm not. I'm not a big Turkish <laughs> basketball fan. But uh, do the Cavs maybe a Hartenstein Germany jersey? I'd be okay with that if uh, if the Cavs re-sign him. I don't know if you saw the news today, but Fedor said uh, that the Cavs were and uh, Hartenstein were were kind of open to re-signing there. But I think it kind of depends on how the rest of free agency. St- Shakes out. I would. I would think there. He's the lowest on the priority list. But who knows? So we'll yeah, see. What oh, I know. There. They'd rather sign another seven footer than uh, a wing, according you know by the track record <laughs> of the well, Cavaliers. What was the what was the rumor today um, that that they were going to get looking after point guards and Raul Neto was on the list, and it, you get the feeling. The Cavs having signed no one so far in free agency, drafting one player and having traded for Ricky Rubio, that the Cavs are very much the team that agents call when they want a counter offer to leverage against the uh, the preferred destination of a player. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly why Danny Green is in the Cavs are on Danny Green's shortlist today. It was ironic. It was like the Lakers, the 76ers the Nets and the Cavs. And it's obviously, <laughs> obviously the agent, the agent is saying that because the Cavs have their full $9.5 million to spend and they clearly need a wing. Uh, so it's just funny that the Cavs get roped into there as a favor to the agent probably. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I think, you know, stepping back a little bit, I think one thing that I was super thrilled about was the Ricky Rubio trade because it did, alleviate the need to you know find that backup point guard in free agency to get Ricky Rubio for a second round draft pick even though he has a pretty hefty salary number uh I thought was a great pickup the one downfall of that move is that the Cavs by percentage traded their number two three-point shooter on the team Tarian Prince to Minnesota and and leaving them even more in the need of three-point shooting, which seems seems like a uh, definite thing that they're going to be below the league average at right now. So, I don't know any thoughts on Ricky Rubio. I'm I'm jazzed about him. Chris, are you <laughs> yeah. are you a Rubio fan? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, God, after that game against the United States, I mean, did you watch that he- game? I did. I did watch that game, and Rubio was was besides maybe KD the best player on the court, <laughs> and uh, and set a, like he he scored more points in that game than any American has ever scored in international. No, than any player has ever scored against America. Well, no, 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 I no, no, no. I'm talking that yeah, any American. Yeah, you're right. That any American has ever scored. I think Melo had scored 37, and uh, Rubio had 38 in the losing effort. But uh, it was uh, it was a great game. Uh, no, but uh, piggybacking off of what you just said, I mean, that's literally 
the only reason why I can't give the Rubio trade an A plus uh, grade is because they did trade their best three point shooter, especially uh, when you consider volume three point shooter. Um, they traded the best one away uh, in order to get that. I mean, uh, I get it because Tarian Prince has more value than say uh, Chetty Osman at this point. Um, but uh, yeah, it's kind of a bittersweet. Uh, I had high hopes for Tari and Prince. He had some nice games last season, uh, especially I remember the victory in Charlotte when Sexton was injured. He really stepped up in that game. Um, so, you know, farewell, sweet Prince. Uh, miss you. I was a big fan, and, and uh, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully Minnesota treats him right. But uh, I'll, but I mean, Rubio is a great player, and uh, if uh, you know. That uh, performance in international play uh, was a great indication. Hopefully, maybe a sign of things to come. Maybe he's uh, looking to be more aggressive and kind of uh, build upon his health. You know that he's been healthy recently. You know in the past couple of years. So hopefully he can uh, bounce back because he had a kind of a rough season last season. So yeah, so solid B, solid B move, I'd say. Yeah, and one of the things that I liked about the last two steps that Ricky made on his uh, in his career in the NBA, uh, he really helped the teams he was on. I mean, he helped Utah get to the playoffs and be a playoff team in their, their kind of resurgence. And then they upgraded for, you know, Mike Conley. But the next move that I, I really enjoyed was Phoenix, where he I really think he was a big part of their resurgence and – you know, well, that's a good point. He he was the leader of that bubble team that went undefeated in the bubble and really set the stage for, you know, them to get Chris Paul and end up, you know, in the uh, as the Western Conference champions last year. I'm no, that's that's a great point. Uh, a I, lot of and they seem to have bought it really bought at least in Phoenix, like the byproduct of him being a team team player, the ultimate team player, and everybody kind of buying into that in the bubble. Uh, yeah. You could really see that. Yeah. I mean, the one thing about Rubio, he's never been a great three-point shooter. Um, you know, his percentages are at their best or consistently in the low 30s. Um, and he hasn't ever been a great finisher. Um, I mean, he he's really been inconsistent in that department. But he's always been a great free-throw shooter. So he's he is a guy that you can keep on the floor at the end of games. And he will absolutely put your team in the best position to win down the stretch. Uh, he's a fantastic defender. He's six three, but he has a. Pre- he's always had a pretty big wing. I don't know if always had a pretty big wingspan makes any sense. <laughs> it's not as if his arms have gotten shorter and longer, but his his wingspan and his defensive hands have always been an asset for him. So hey, after after that performance against the United States, I'm saying let's he's a superstar. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm ready for the MVP. I'm ready for MVP Rubio's season to take storm. Yeah, I think the one thing that I said on Twitter and I got into it with somebody a little bit with is I hope he is so good and it's so obvious he's that good that he forces some uncomfortable conversations about who should be starting for the Cavs. And if that happens, I think that's a great thing. Um, the Cavs need those uncomfortable conversations, in my mind. And if it's a product 
of him being that good, I'm, I'm loving it. Um, and you know what else we're going to do? We are actually going to at uh, right about now pause for our first commercial break. I don't know what it's going to be for. Should be fun. <laughs> we'll see what it is. <laughs> Welcome back to Cavs Podcast. Uh, before we left, uh, we were talking about Ricky Rubio, Eli. What what is? Are you excited about the Ricky Rubio move? And what do you think uh, that means for the product we're going to see on the court from the Cavs? Oh, I'm I'm super excited for Rubio. I think that uh, he's exactly what the Cavs needed last season to be more competitive. He's definitely he definitely upgrades the third guard position. I mean, the Cavs when they were you know seven and nine. Their backup point guard was Dante Exum, and he still hasn't found the team yet. So, could you imagine a player of Rubio's caliber kind of filling that role, being more consistent, and being the savvy veteran that has been pretty, you know, healthy for the most part, and just brings is easily the best pure playmaker on the team. And heck, I could even argue he he might be the best uh, defensive guard uh, on the squad now too. So, he just adds. You know, two of the three things Cavs desperately need, playmaking and defense. Obviously, his shooting is a big question, but I think if you're the Cavs, you can't let the you know, the enemy be perfect and being good. I think that's a quote that you always say about Nate. <laughs> but don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Cor- yeah, Correct. So, you know, he's an elite playmaker and a great defender, so why not add that skill set? And I guess the only downside is, you know, the Cavs – did have to give up a pretty de- decent second round pick. Um, they were able to hold them to uh, Houston's, and but they had to give up, I think, Washington's second round pick, which could be, you know, could be lottery ish. So, um, you know, I get you can't draft four players next year and bring them all in. So I get it, but you're trading expiring for expiring. There's no long term effects. I think it's a good move and very savvy. Awesome. Uh, you know, I guess the only other thing I'd ask you is, were you, was there some disappointment that the Cavs have not, you know, brought any or didn't trade back into the draft and, or, you know, it's been, I don't want to say underwhelming because there's a guy on the Cavs roster I'm pretty excited for, for the summer league. That's an undrafted free agent, but, uh, they haven't seemed to, you know, any well-known guys circled around and picked them up as undrafted free agents and they didn't get back into the draft. Were you disappointed there? I was pretty disappointed. I felt like they could have gotten more for um, Tari and Prince. Um, I thought the direction they would have gone was maybe using the mid-level exception that they can't use right now to get that point guard because there are a lot of point guards you know, good third guard candidates like uh, McConnell, Caruso, those guys who went for that mid-level exception. Um, so maybe you could have used the Prince contract to try to trade for a younger wing or something uh, and give up and try to get back into the draft and take a bad contract. But um, I guess the way the draft board shook out too, like the Cavs could have taken Jalen Johnson if they traded with the Knicks, uh, if they did that rumored Sexton trade for 19 and Obi Toppin and you know hindsight is obviously 2020 but I think if they had pulled the trigger on that trade and drafted Jalen Johnson 
and getting Obi Toppin and as a developmental piece again, I think that could have been a, a good deal and would have shaken things up and made the team build a little bit more uh, fit the mold of a contemporary uh, NBA team. So uh, there was some disappointment, but I, I do think the cost to move back into the late first, early second was pretty high. And I, I really think that Kobe Altman is playing very conservatively, um, you know, for his own sake and, you know, really trying to believe in the core that he's put together. I, I think that's fair. Um, and I will say, you know, we've got Summer League starting on the 8th. The guy I'm super excited about, uh, Winthrop and, you know, Walsh Jesuit uh, University, which is literally right down the road from me. Um, and across the street from my favorite bar in the world, the uh, the North Canton Winking Lizard, um, Chandler Vaudrin uh, is a is a training camp guy, an Exhibit Ten guy that will be playing in summer league and hopefully making the Cavs uh, training camp roster. Played at Winthrop, uh, kind of a glue guy, uh, permanent triple double threat, good on the boards, good on uh, you know assists and and can score some i'm super excited about it (laughs) the main reason is i'm actually friends with his dad uh we used to work together so i'm i'm super psyched to see that uh he's a former lake blue streak so uh just i think it's super fun to have a local guy on the Cavs squad that literally you know went to school and right down the road for me. So I'm, I'm going to be definitely rooting for Chandler Vaudrin. I'm excited to see him play in the Cavs summer league. So that, that <laughs> I'm giddy. Well, I'm not Josh <laughs> kitty, but I'm giddy. And, uh, yeah, I, I guess, you know, the year to, uh, kind of expand on that. Uh, who are you, ex- what are you excited about to see and what do you want to see from the Cavs in summer league? I, do you have the Cavs summer league roster in front of you, Chris? Uh, no, but, um, I know this it's, is, we, we don't prepare on Cavs of Blood. Yeah, I know it's Cavs like, Cavs the uh, blodca- Blogcast, there you go. <laughs> that's Cavs right. Podcast. It's, uh, I know it's a Coro, Stevens, Bro- uh, Broderick Thomas, Cabengali, uh, Cabengale, uh, and, Cabin uh, Jelly. Mo- yeah, and, um, Just picture Mobley. a cabin and a thing of Smucker's Jelly. Oh, is right it Jelly? There. Cabin Jelly, yeah. Okay, okay. I didn't know that. That's uh, why I always picked you. it. That's why I always on the game threads. I would always just post oh, a picture of a cabin okay, and okay. some jelly. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Um, I mean, the thing you know, kind of going back to Eli's point, uh, I, the thing I want to see in summer league is a dedication to start to build around the franchise player Evan Mobley. You know, the reason why we're all excited is because they just took a franchise player that we can dedicate all our resources to build around. So I want to see that, you know, starting from day one, you know, starting in summer league, is he going to be handling the rock a bit? Is, 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 uh, are the guys going to be running offense through him? Uh, are we going to get to see some point center? Are we going to get to see his face up game? Are we going to get to see him in the pick and roll? You know, are we going to get to see all the facets uh, of his offensive game, you know, and that he needs to work on in order to become that franchise player. Are we going to start seeing that? And are we going to start seeing a system that's built around him, you know? And so that's, that's kind of what I'm excited about. And what I want to see from the Cavs from this point forward is, um, are we doing the things necessary to build around Evan Mobley? Are we treating him like the franchise player that everybody thinks he is, you know? 
And it, it kind of goes back to the point about uh, Eli made with um, whether or not to trade into the draft. And, you know, and I made the point in the previous podcast about, you know, resetting the timeline a bit with Evan Mobley. I feel like as soon as they knew they were getting Mobley, you build around him. And this is the reason why you pick him third is because he's a franchise player. So, you know, just the bottom line for me is what are we doing to build around Evan Mobley? And are we setting him up for success for now in the future? And so, um, and what that, what I think that means for me, at least with Evan Mobley is, are we setting up, are we setting him around shooters? Are we allowing the ball to be in his hands and are we allowing him to play make and, you know, are we creating space for him to operate in the paint? You know, so those are the things I'm looking for forward to seeing, especially, you know, as we start off in summer league, I guess, you know, we're going to see, I'm guessing some interesting experiments in summer league with the Cavs as it relates to Evan Mobley. And, the, you know, I'm excited to see what they have in store, you know, and how they use them. I'll hundred percent agree with you. I think we'll see three games. I'm hoping we see three games. I think they don't want to, try and do too much in summer league, but you never know. I would totally agree. Yeah. I, I would almost say, do we even see him for more than one game? <laughs> I, I think you see him for, you know, two or three games, depending okay. on, you know, if he gets banged up at all, obviously they'll shut it down, but it, you can't treat the guy with kid gloves either. I mean, you got to kind of, right. I, I don't want to say the term throw him to the wolves, but that's certainly what the Cavs did with Isaac Okoro and, I'm excited. You know, I'll take your counterpoint. I'm excited to see in summer league that Isaac Okoro and Evan Mobley pick and roll excites me a little bit because Isaac Okoro, you know, the rumor came out today. They're kind of expanding his secondary playmaking skills. And I think Eli, you tweeted today uh, for the Cavs, the tweets uh, handle that you hope he's working on his shot. But one of the things that excites me about Isaac Okoro as a playmaker is he's got a little bit more size, which makes him a little harder to trap and a little harder to, you know, he has more passing angles than Sexton or Garland. And with a guy like Evan Mobley, Mobley passing angles, he, he's going to be a guy, if you can get it anywhere near the rim while he's there, that that's going to be two points. So, I'm excited about that uh, in Summer League and to see where his shot's at. And, yeah, and between that and Chandler Vodder, and I'm, I'm pretty stoked about the Summer League. So, Eli, anything to add on Summer League? Uh, I'm actually pretty excited for uh, Stevens. I feel like there's a lot of hype coming out that he's, like, one of the leaders. And I'm being a pest or an op- – sorry, not a pessimist, an optimist about um, – his game. I think he really did come on at the end of the year and I'm actually pretty excited for Broderick Thomas. I thought he fits everything that you're looking for in a modern um, NBA player. Although his shooting was, you know, he didn't shoot great percentages last year and is still with the Cavs, but I feel like he has good length. He has good, uh, um, you know, feel for the game for an undrafted guy. And he might not be a freak athlete, but I'm really excited to see kind of, those guys, I think there were five guys on the summer league team that played for the Cavs last season. So technically, I think this summer league team should be theoretically pretty good. Um, so we'll have to see. But I'm pretty excited to see um, them take out the Rockets first, I believe. So the Jalen Green have a mobility discussion continues into a summer league. And uh, I think it could be pretty interesting. <laughs> 
That's a great preview. You you're getting me hyped. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that first Summer League game. <laughs> and I'm excited we're having a Summer League. We didn't get one last year. And it's always I, – I feel like this is a great NBA summer. You know, the regular season went long. And then we had the draft. And now we've got the Olympics. And I know you're going to be checking out the Olympic semifinals of Australia and the USA right after this podcast. And, you know, segueing right into Cavs Summer League. And then, you know, before before you know it, I think training camp started at the end of September. So we're really only going to get about six weeks of uh, downtime, uh, maybe even a little bit less between between summer league and the start of the season. So it, it should be pretty fun. Love it. Can't wait. <laughs> me, me too. Me too. Um, up next... Uh, we're going to take another quick commercial break and we'll be back to talk about free agency and uh, kind of our draft grades for other teams. And it's going to be, it's going to be pretty fun. So stay tuned. Welcome back to Cavs, a podcast. So one of the things we wanted to talk about, uh, we're in what the third day of free agency here. We started Monday. It's been pretty pretty much a desert for the Cavs in terms of free agency. It feels like they are getting used a little bit. I'm just going to ask you straight out, Eli, are the Cavs the least desirable team to play for in the NBA right now? Oof, that's um, it's a very good question. I think they could be um, because the Cavs have now drafted or traded for their starting five, theoretically. And I just don't see a player that would be like, hey, you know what? I want to go to Cleveland and sit on the bench behind a player that I think I'm clearly better than. Uh, so if you're a player like uh, like Josh Hart, for example, um, even if you do sign for that full mid-level exception, you're probably getting you know three years, $30 million, Do you really want to come to Cleveland and sit behind Colin Sexton or Isaac Okoro? I mean, Josh Hart... You know, was a player that started many games in his young career, and for him to come to Cleveland is probably a huge downgrade from LA, his LA days. Although New Orleans, maybe he thinks it's pretty similar. You think he's going to want to come to Cleveland and not have the same type of rule certainty that he doesn't ha- already doesn't have in New Orleans? It's um, pretty tough. So I just think that the Cavs are getting outbid for some players, kind of like a Doug McDermott. But in addition to that, I just think that there's it's just a tough sell if you're a free agent that you're going to come to Cleveland and not get a starting opportunity from the get-go. Yeah, I I 100% agree with that. I think that's one of the big problems with the Cavs now from a culture standpoint. I said this a little bit, what I alluded to with Ricky Rubio earlier, is it's not a meritocracy. The best players may not necessarily start because the Cavs are you know, committed to developing their young players, which to me is a little bit of a disconnect from how they talk about how they want to make the playoffs and how they want to build this culture. I think it's a, you know, do as I say, not as I do situation. And that's a huge sell. Plus you've got the weather in Cleveland. Plus you've got, you know, we Cleveland is literally the poorest big city in the U S and has the highest poverty rate. 
And obviously a lot of Cleveland's draw is really, you know, pulling people in from the exurbs um, and the suburbs around Cleveland. And, you know, it's and I say that, you know, speaking frankly and honestly, I love the city. I love going there. I love being there. I will always stay in Cleveland. But that's a tough sell to a free agent that, you know, maybe they make a million less in another market, but maybe they can make a half a million dollars back in endorsements that they wouldn't be able to get in Cleveland. And that opportunity to compete for a playoff spot just doesn't look like it's there in Cleveland. You know, Orlando is probably going to be one of the worst teams in the league, but at least you're in Orlando, you get that weather. You know, in the in the winter, you're not trudging through the snow. You know, even Milwaukee now, they're a, de- a defending champion. You know, uh, Minnesota has, you know, Anthony Edwards and they have Cat and they have D'Angelo Russell. They got a little bit more of a draw there. So, yeah, Cleveland's a rough spot right now. And even Detroit with, uh, you know, Cade is, is possibly a more desirable spot. And I really love what New Orleans has done in free agency and trade and how they built their team in the last two years. So yeah, Cleveland's a, Cleveland's a tough sell right now. I really do think they might be the worst free agent destination in the league. I mean, maybe, maybe Utah's worse, but Utah has been signing guys. So yeah, I mean, well, you, you just kind of said it there at the end. It's, I mean, what's the plan? Like what's the plan for success for Cleveland? Like, as you said, there's that disconnect between uh, winning and player development. And it's obvious that we, they don't, you know, they absolutely do not care about winning. Um, it was all about the player development. And, um, yeah, and, uh, you know, going back to, you know, one of the things that was just discussing on the, on the, on the uh, free agency article that you wrote, is um, the inability for, uh, along with, in tandem with the uh, Hartenstein news, it was um, the fact that I just realized, I guess, or I guess it was Mike O that just had said it, that because Jared Allen signed a five-year deal, he cannot be included in any sign-and-trade deals. So, and then it'll look, and then the unwilling, unwillingness to trade Sexton, um, it looks like to me, like I, I don't, I think it was Eli who said it. I mean, we're just being extremely conservative. I'm not seeing a plan here about building around Evan Mobley. Is the big gripe I have about this free agency period with the Cavs is what are the moves that are are we making besides outside of Ricky Rubio that are indicating that we understand we have a franchise player in Evan Mobley and we're going to put him up into a situation set up for success. And I just don't see it, you know, I, I mean, and then we have these rumors about a love buyout. Well, that's your set. That's your other best three point shooter on this squad besides Garland and, and Sexton uh, is Kevin Love. And we're, if we're buying him out, we've just lost two of the four best three point shooters that we have. And so in a league where three point shooting is the norm. Yes. You know, it, yeah. everybody that is getting better on offense is shooting more three-pointers. And, you know, the previous finals was a bit of a misnomer in terms of the amount of mid-range shot making that went on. And, you know, I would say the last le- season in the NBA is, is 
probably one of the more unique and dare I say fluky ones we've seen in a while. So well, even even that even so, Milwaukee was a top ten in three point attempts and top five in three point percentage in the league. If I'm not mistaken, if my if my memory serves me well, so they got to the playoffs, you know, by grinding, you know, grinding away at three point shooting, you know, like a lot of successful teams did this year. So, and, and the big thing for me is, and the reason why I keep on hammering home about three point shooting is this is how we set up Mobley's to expand his game because Mobley's game, uh, you showed the clip um, in the free agency thread of uh, Mobley practicing, and what's his game? His game is going to be. Face up, get to the rack, and uh, and off the dribble shooting. You know those those are the moves that he has right now. And how is he going to get to the paint if everybody's waiting for him there and there's nobody to spray it out to? You know, are we running Chetty Osman and Okoro at the corner three position again? We saw how that went last year. Is it going to go some something similarly this year? You know, and so uh, you know, I just don't see the plan about how we're setting Evan Mobley up as our franchise player and for success. That's what's so frustrating for me, at least. And that's my soapbox for free agency. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And there's things that frustrate me in the fact that the Cavs have $9.5 million to spend and aren't spending it. And you're seeing <laughs> guys that are Thank signing you. for – you know, well below what the mid-level or even half the mid-level would be. Like, I have a hard time thinking that if Georges, if they offered, you know, half their mid-level to Georges Niang from Utah, who checked all the boxes other than, you know, being a power forward on a team that has multiple power forwards, you know, I have a hard time thinking that he'd have turned that down. Or a James Ennis who shot, you know, 43% last year. Um, there was a lot of good shooters that signed for a lot less money than what the Cavs had. I'm, you know, my take on Twitter was that the Cavs are basically just gaslighting us and gaslighting the, you know, Cavs media. Uh, Chris Fedor included is kind of like the Seinfeld where George drove uh, Carol's parents out to the Hamptons. Uh, just to get them to believe <laughs> that they had a house out there. It's like, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. And he didn't have a house out there, but he was just going to get getting that crazy uh, just to prove it to them that they had it. So that's kind of what I feel like all these Cavs rumors are now is uh, yeah. they're not really going to sign anybody, but boy, we want to tell you that we're going to. So here's the question to, to you and Eli, Nate, is – I mean, do we think the the Cavs are tanking? Are the Cavs tanking next year? Yes or no? That's the question. A thousand percent. I mean, I just don't even <laughs> think that it's uh, – I just don't think the Cavs – and maybe they're honest with themselves. Maybe they just look at this core and they go, you know what? How, like, of the five guys that we think is part of this core, only Mobley is one that's you know has the all-star potential. So maybe they're just like, hey, we just got to – twiddle around and organically we're not going to be good there's no way this team can truly expect to be contending if they just kept things status quo and you know i kind of got into it today on twitter where people are saying oh you know the Cavs were actually really competitive until april and then they lost three games to 
Golden State, Chicago, and Detroit. And I'm just like, yeah. And they needed to win literally 50% more games to be the 10th seed to get a play-in tournament. Like, the Cavs aren't organically just going to win 50% more games on top of teams that are already ahead, like the Bulls and, you know, the Magic who had a great draft. Like, the Magic are behind, but they had a great draft. Like, they're just – everyone else is getting significantly better and making it harder for Cleveland to get – go up in the standings like I just don't buy the argument that oh because the Cavs are competitive through April it's okay to stay status quo because Garland and Sexton Okoro Mobley are all going to take a leap and um, you know Jared Allen's going to take a leap like that's just a terrible argument because the team is flawed and we saw it all last year yeah and a lot of people have talked about how the Cavs were super injured but I don't think any of that covers their you know biggest fundamental flaw which is they don't have great wings um i would love for chetty osman to be a better player than he was last year and i'm certainly hopeful that he has a bounce back year because he was kind of terrible and i've i've said it before that the coaching staff did him no favors especially just continuing to play him when he was clearly unable to hit the broad side of a barn uh, in games. Like I think he had a two game stretch where he went like one of 11 from three pointers or something like that. I mean, it, to me, they just don't have great wings. They have too many small guards and too many, I don't want to say too many bigs, but they have two guys that could conceivably be a starting center between Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. Uh, they have, Honestly, to me, the biggest improvement they could make would be send Colin Sexton to the bench, start Larry Nance at the three, start Okoro at the two, then start Mobley and Allen. But then you really don't have a lot of shooting on the starting lineup, but you have a lot of size and you can actually defend. You know, one of the things that came up in the live or in the thread today on Cavs the blog in the comment section was that, you know, between Garland and Okoro and Sexton, they have one of the worst rebounding perimeters in the NBA. And they're in the bottom of the third of the league in rebounding. And that's a huge reason why is, you know, Okoro is playing up a position. Mm -hmm. Sexton's probably a bench player. And, you know, they're just not a great, defensive team and the way they're built isn't really built to compete. So I'm a hundred percent with you, Eli. I think it's people are completely deluding themselves. If they think this team is, is gunning for the playoff or gunning for the playing game. And I think every team in the East is better. And, you know, I'll let you respond to that a little bit, Chris, and then we can kind of get into what the Eastern conference looks like between the draft and free agency because I think we saw a lot of improvement in the Eastern Conference in the last week. So anything to add to that, Chris? Yeah, uh, it's interesting both of you guys agreed because then it makes me feel better about the Jared Allen signing. So here's the next question that I that popped into my mind when you guys answered is, do we see Jared Allen playing out his contract in Cleveland? I do. I, I don't know. I mean, oh, I wow. think it... I think it 100% depends on where we see Jared Allen and 
Evan Mobley developing, and we don't know what that's going to look like. So I, you know, I'll put that at sixty percent. Jared okay. Allen says because of Evan oh, Mobley. Okay, so that's that's hedging a little bit. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm a hedger. I <laughs> I believe in probabilities. <laughs> I'll, um, uh, I'll I'll come in. I don't think so at all. I think I think Jared Allen will probably get traded after his third year here. Mobley will be. It'll be either good or bad. It'll be, you know, Mobley will either be really good, but obviously best served as the five and playing 35 minutes as the biggest player on the court, um, which is obviously probably the best scenario. And you try to flip Allen for more shooting, more playmaking, more the def- def- wing perimeter defending. And then even in a worst case scenario, I think it's like, hey, you know what? We got to try to salvage Mobley's value if he's not developing as a four with that versatile, um, you know, face-up guy. Like, hey, let's just make a focus on the more traditional big man things. Um, I also just think uh, Allen is going to be 29 again at free agency. So if he's still a great player and on the same trajectory, I don't think the Cavs are going to want to pay, pay two seven-footers a max deal, a near max deal, and they're going to get jittery and want to tr- ship one of them off before they hit that conundrum in four years. So that's kind of why I think it's essentially locked that Allen won't be there to play out all five years of his deal. Do you think it's kind of a Clint Capella parallel with the Rockets? Uh, maybe not as extreme because I think the Rockets wanted to make Russell Westbrook and Harden work, which kind of threw it all off. So they had to not play Capella and Westbrook at the same time to space it out. But in a weird way, it's kind of like um, Atlanta's conundrum. Like Capella has been playing really well, but they really need to get Okongwu to play. <laughs> and I feel like Capella's not going to play out the rest of his contract there for that reason as well. Cause um, you know, they just, you just can't tie up all the resources into a guy that theoretically should only be playing 35 minutes a night. Like in the, in the current NBA game, you don't play the seven footer all 48 minutes anymore. Well, I think 35 for a starting center is plenty anymore in the NBA, but I think you're more talking 25 minutes, you know, 20, 25. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. But I'm with you. I mean, I think the one thing that Capella does well is rebound. Yeah. I, I think, Allen Allen could work uh, if that pairing you know is is switchy enough and if it makes sense defensively. I actually think one of the problems with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley is they're both pretty skinny guys, and I think they're going to have a hard time rebounding. And you know, Jared Allen really struggled with a lot of the more physical centers. Um, would get pushed off the block, and we haven't seen him add a ton of muscle yet. So we'll kind of see what that looks like. But I think we're two or three years away from that. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. I think the Cavs definitely don't have enough shooting on this roster, and I, I haven't seen a way to fix it. But we'll, we'll see how it goes. And, you know, when we come back, we'll kind of talk about some of these other teams that we – that are maybe inching ahead of the Cavs and – and what their free agency and draft look like. So we'll be right back. So before we before we left, we were talking a little bit about, you know, Jared Allen and what Evan Mobley and, you know, what we look like the Cavs 
or what we think the Cavs look like less next year. And I think we all were pretty much in agreement that the Cavs are tanking. <laughs> and and I think, you know, one of the things that you look at that is how much better the Eastern Conference got this year. I mean, mm-hmm. let's talk about the Bulls, who I think had a monster yeah. week. That's right. Um, yes, sir. I mean, I mean it, that was, is that I your was, number one team of teams that improve themselves in free agency? 100%. For me, uh, yeah, absolutely. They, I think, so. Yeah, and he helped them a lot yet last year at the absolutely, beginning of the year. Yeah. But he was a stud last year. Yep. Yeah, so, um, I actually love that he went to the Spurs. I think he'll fit in flawlessly there. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the DeRozan signing, but you know everything else there. I mean, their projected starting lineup is you know Vucevic, Patrick Williams, uh, Zach Levine, Demar Derozan, and who'd they get Lonzo. a point guard? Lonzo. And Lonzo Ball. I mean, that's a pretty good starting lineup. You've got pretty good shooting at three of those five positions. And if Lonzo Ball's shooting holds up four of those five positions, um, well, I guess three because uh, DeMar DeRozan isn't a great shooter. But um, yep. I, I definitely think they're going to be better on uh, offense and defense. And they'll they'll be able to do a lot of interesting things and play a lot of interesting lineups. They're pretty deep, too. Like, you see... Uh, Oh, who's their uh, who was their starting guard last year? Kobe oh, White. God, Kobe Co- White. Kobe White's going to be coming off the bench for them now, and he's going to be he's a bit of a witch, you know, coming off the bench. And you know, again, you're kind of seeing of what other teams are doing versus what the Cavs are doing. I I love Kobe White coming off the bench for them. You know, to me, that's the role that Saxon should be playing, but the Cavs don't want to do that, so. But I'm excited about that. Yeah, it's a great point. uh, I think other teams that I don't know if they got better, but the Pistons, I really obviously Cade. Um, Didn't the Pistons sign? Who did the Pistons sign? Olenek. Olenek. I think he's just such a perfect fit for them. I hate Kelly Olenek. The person and the player but he absolutely makes the teams that he's playing for better like every team needs that guy that's gonna set ridiculously dirty picks that last too long that he never gets called for and um is gonna just kind of muck things up and be a general douche on the court you know he's he's kind of like like do you ever hear the story of david wood playing pickup ball and he would just like do things like I'm just going to touch this guy's leg for no reason <laughs> in the post <laughs> when I'm guarding him. And that's kind of like Lance Stevenson blowing in somebody's ear. <laughs> kind of. But that's just kind of Kelly Olynyk's MO. So I, I think he'll be he'll be great for them. And they've got a really good young core. I think to me, the way that roster shapes up because they have Cade, they're ahead of the Cavs, the Magic. I don't know if they're ahead of the Cavs, but they are getting Jonathan Isaac back. They'll, you know, get Markel Fultz back. They will uh, get their two draft picks. Um, Suggs and Wagner, right? Yeah. Yeah. And plus they have, uh, oh, the guy they drafted last year from UNC. Oh, right. Cole Anthony. Uh, Greg Anthony. Cole Anthony. So, I mean, they've got a lot 
going for them. I don't know if they're going to win a lot, but, you know, with Jonathan Isaac, I think Jonathan Isaac is better than any player on the Cavs right now. So that that should be fun. I think, I, you know, the Hornets clearly improve themselves. Uh, the Pacers, I don't know if they've improved themselves or not, but they're certainly an interesting team. And I can't see them being worse than the Cavs. Wizards, I don't know what the hell the Wizards are doing, but they think they know what they're doing. So that's a good question for you guys. What do you think of that Russell Westbrook Wizards trade? I mean, you guys read my opinion of it. I just doesn't make any sense at all to me. Yeah, I mean, I personally don't think it's a – I think getting off Westbrook and getting a first-round pick is a win in my book for any team. And it's just interesting that all these teams keep lining up to give first-round picks to take on Russell Westbrook. That's like the – just like Houston did it. Um, I guess Houston also had to get get got one for uh, taking John Wall back, and then now the Lakers gave one up to take Westbrook back too. So it's interesting that he keeps on giving his former teams first round picks. But um, in terms of for the Wizards, I just think it's such an interesting trade that they would want to take back KCP and Harrell. Um, I just don't think. And Kuzma, and I just don't think those are players that are, you know, play winning basketball, in my opinion. Although, to be fair, I do really like what they did today, picking up Din- Dinwiddie. Um, yeah, Spencer Dinwiddie, I think, yeah. I think that's a great move for them, probably the best move for them. But um, it's... Who, uh, yeah, and they have a new coach now. Is it... Oh, I can't remember his name. Is it Darvin Ham is coaching them? Yeah, I think, I believe so. I mean... We'll see what happens. I, I kind of. Oh no, it's Wes Unseld Jr. I, I kind of see it like a shuffle. I actually thought, you know, just reiterating my comments, that Westbrook was really good for them, and they were a lot of fun. If they'd had a deeper team, they would have played better in the playoffs. And I actually like that move for the Lakers, although that Lakers roster is, it, it is goofy. <laughs> I mean. They got so many guys, and then somehow they ended up with Malik Monk and Kendrick Nunn. So yeah, I, I don't get into, and well, Wade Ellington's a million years old. True, <laughs> but he could shoot though. And he then, can, uh, he can. But I mean, to me, that Lakers roster really is still the same situation they were in the last two years. It's all about the health of LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and now Russell Westbrook. It's all about the health of their big three. I, everybody else is an ancillary piece that doesn't really get you over the top. And if those guys aren't healthy, nothing else really matters. And as they get, and those guys have never, you know, been guys that prove they can get healthy. I don't know. What uh, about, sorry, well, I was going to say, no, I was going to give you a team that I liked. Um, although it wasn't, <laughs> and then, but then he's also now played for the Blazers. Then he went to the Celtics, and then he went back to the Blazers for that pick, and then he just re-signed with the Celtics. So interesting uh, set of events for him to. What was the tweet I read today? Was uh, somebody said uh, last year I made it that a deal with the devil so that the Celtics could get off of Ennis Cantor, and this year I made another deal with the devil so the Celtics could get off Tristan Thompson, and they. <laughs> <laughs> and the deal was I got Ennis Cantor back. 
<laughs> yeah, wait, and did tri- they have to? Did, did, wait, they had to trade a pick to get off the Tristan Thompson deal too. I think they traded like a second. Oh, okay. Yeah, they got Chris. They Chris. Dunn. I'm sorry. Who did they get? Oh, they're going to get Chris Dunn, I believe. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and yeah, that was a definitely a goofy. I mean, it. Yeah, they're definitely, to me, out of the playoffs. And I would put the Bulls into the playoffs and maybe even the Hornets. I, I've loved it. Oh, I would agree. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. Yes, yes, yeah. 100%. The Hornets, I think, had a had a good draft and they had a good free agency. And they're deep and they've got who, – who did the Hornets sign as a big man? Didn't they get? I thought they got somebody in the draft as well as signed somebody. I yeah, they got remember. Kai Jones. They traded yeah. back to get Kai yeah, Jones. Yeah, that's a that's a big time. That's a big. I think didn't they get one of the Plumley brothers? <laughs> they, they did. did. They yeah, did. they Mason. got Mason Plumley, the guy I sing Edelweiss every time he goes to the free throw line. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> he 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 looks like he could be wearing a certain uniform. That's all I'm going to oh say. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, man. We root for Hartenstein, man. <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't look like that. Come on. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I mean, he... I'm not a fan of any Plumleys, so I'm I'm fine wow. with that. I do think it is required by law, though, that Charlotte has at least for 15 straight years, they have to either have a Zeller or a Plumley on the team. <laughs> it's a North Carolina tradition. Yeah, it's a North Carolina law. And they also oh. have a Demon Deacon because they did sign Ish Smith. So. There you Ooh, go. Okay, okay. Yeah. Not a bad signing, too. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I don't know. I mean, we, we kind of cover the East. Um Anybody have a draft that you just really, really liked in the East uh, versus the West? Eli? Yeah, actually, I actually really like the Hornets draft. Um, I think them getting for the East, I think they're probably up there with the Magic for me. Um, obviously, the Magic is low-hanging fruit because they had Jalen Suggs right. fall to them and Franz Wagner, who you know I was probably higher on than most, was their pick. And I really liked how they kind of went for – you know, two guys who are probably good culture setters for the Magic who have a really clean slate besides, you know, the Jonathan Isaac uh, piece who I think, like you, Nate, I'm pretty high on him. I'm not sure if he's better than every Cav um, besides Mobley. I think he does have a little bit of injury concerns now that he's been out for a whole year with ACL. But definitely think the Magic can quickly retool and be in at least a similar position as the Cavs this year, as early as this year with how much talent they got um, with the Hornets. I really like the gamble on Kai Jones. He's pretty polarizing. Some people think he could be like a steal of draft while others think he does what JaVale McGee does. And he's just 19 years old. So it's, um, it'll be interesting to see how he develops, but I think getting book night at the spot that they did, they got a guy who can be um, a great scorer and has pretty decent size to play uh, more than just, you know, one position. 
I'm with you. Yeah. I think that's a great summation. What were you going to say, Chris? Well, no, I was going to, uh, I was just thinking of teams. The, the one I would, the, I had to think of another one because, uh, as, uh, Eli alluded to the Orlando one's low hanging fruit, but I, I love what, uh, I love what Atlanta did. Um, they, they took, uh, Jalen Johnson who fell in their lap, who was falling like a rock through the draft. And they also picked up, um, Sharif Cooper in the second round, um, who was projected as a possible late lottery, late first round pick and who took a huge tumble in the draft. And, you know, there's some value, I think. Somebody made a comment, and this was actually in relation to Maury, and I actually do like their pick of Jaden Springer um, late in the first round, too, is uh, there's value in just not screwing up, letting other teams screw up, and then just reaping the rewards, you know? So that's kind of what the Atlanta draft felt like. They didn't have great picks, but here, here's the here's there's, there's kind of two home run swings they took, you know, that were very low risk you know, and could end up uh, reaping the rewards handsomely. You know, I mean, you could have Jalen Johnson as a, you know, who knows, you know, the potential's there for a future star wing, you know, and Sharif Cooper, man, that's a terrific uh, backup to have to Trey Young and for him to learn from Trey Young and emulate his game because he's going to have to in order to be successful in the NBA. So kind of like what Atlanta did, honestly, like what Atlanta did in free agency as well. I mean, Atlanta's just on fire, and uh, they, they didn't take steps back, in my opinion. Um, seems like they're really building on their success from last year. Yeah, I'm, I think those are two guys for them that are high-risk, high-reward. And if they don't work out, it's kind of there, – there's it, it's not a huge deal. But, yeah, I mean, a guy like that where, the, where Atlanta is and where they are in a team-building standpoint, that's, a, that's almost a zero-risk pick to get Jalen Johnson there. Mm-hmm. Um, a team that I really like their draft was, uh, Philly getting Jaden Springer, uh, 28, I think was a really good fit, you know, more athletic wings. You can never have too many athletic wings. Um, so I, I liked what I saw from them. I, I think, yeah, like you said, Orlando, I, I just think is really set up for a strong future. So And uh, we're going to take another break and uh, be back and talk about the Western Conference and kind of how the draft and free agency uh, played out for them. So we'll be right back. Yeah. So welcome back to Cavs Podcast. Uh, Western Conference, Eli, who do you think had a great draft and free agency? And who are you just scratching your head at? Yeah, I think I think the best draft and I hate to say it, I think it's the Warriors. Yeah, um, I'm with you, man. I think, I think getting Kuminga, who's like the ultimate home run swing, but even if he's a, you know, hits his floor, like he has an NBA body. You can throw him out there. He's a He can be a rotation-like defensive player that's just there to muck things up. He's not going to score great or efficiently, but any scoring I think is just gravy with him. On top well, of that, he, getting, he dropped a couple sick – Euro step dunks today in transition. And I was like, whoa, where did those skills come from? Uh, I'm talking about Kaminga. I hope you saw the highlights, right? Yeah, yeah. His dunks were, in, sorry, in tran- I muted myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> his dunks in transition were insane. And he just looks so much bigger than his listed height of six foot six. He just looks like a really thick body. 
and uh, just has a man's body for being only 18 years old. So it was, I don't know um, if you noticed this in the game, uh, Eli, but um, Golden State is playing him as a big. So I did they, not so notice. I just saw the highlights. Yeah, are, yeah, are they kind of playing him in that uh, Draymond Green role? Yes, they are. They absolutely. He's playing as a small ball five, and it was kind of to. I think they think that he could do that because of his body. You know, to Eli's point. Um, yeah, he was playing. He was playing in small ball five in the in the Draymond spot. Scary yeah, hours. I mean, I scary think, hours. Yeah, his. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a highlight. Davion Mitchell looked really great last night too. So obviously, you can't just cast judgment in the summer league against all these non NBA players, but them getting uh, the Warriors getting him and Moody just kind of disappointing. I thought Moody had one of the highest floors in the draft. So for him to fall all the way to 14 to them uh, was kind of disheartening. And then in terms of players or drafts that I was kind of meh on, um, you know, I, I know it's Memphis. You have to give them the benefit of the doubt, but I still just kind of wonder did it, why didn't they trade back down? I thought that they could have gotten Zaire Williams a lot later. Uh, I, you know, I think he has great tools. He's, you know, one of the top recruits that had a, had a really bad, really rough year, I should say, losing, you know, family members, not playing on the road completely because the Pac-12 had interesting rules and how they were going to manage the COVID pandemics. So, um, you know, it was just a little, little odd that they still ended up picking him, which I'm sure was, probably a second or third choice behind Josh Giddy for sure, maybe even Franz Wagner. Yeah, I didn't hate him from a draft standpoint, but I will say I'm baffled why they traded up to 10 and gave up. I mean, they gave up a lot to trade for 10 and took on two terrible contracts um, in Stevens and, oh, who's the other guy they got? Bledsoe. Yeah, Bledsoe. And then moved from 18 to 10 to get a guy they probably could have got at 18. And and they gave up Valanchunas, which just is really odd because he was literally their second best player last year. Like, I feel like, I, again, like you said, Eli, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but it doesn't make a lot of sense to me uh, what they were doing. Uh, that being said, the team that, is making everybody in the NBA scratch their head more than anyone right now is, you know, our boy NBA champion, uh, David Griffin's team, the Memphis or, uh, the new Orleans Pelicans. They just, their moves all seem really, really goofy and not designed to put a winning environment around Zaire Williamson. And it's a little bit scary that, you know, Zaire could be demanding a trade in a year or two <laughs> if they're not getting any better. I I don't know. Agree or disagree, Chris? Oh, I 100% agree. I mean, they. I just saw a breakdown of the Lonzo Ball deal, and it's basically they traded Lonzo Ball and a first-round pick for the privilege to pay Devontae Graham. So, I mean, who yeah, only – just... I mean, you like with Devonte Graham, he needs the ball in his hands in order to be impactful. You know, like and that's taking away on ball um, creation from Zion. So uh, I, I yeah, think he 100% can. On, 
I mean, he's a great player. I like him. You know, I love him actually. You know, but uh, I just, he's a uh, better ball handling Booby Gibson. There you go. Okay. No, I mean that's literally I, yeah, what yeah. he is. He's there. You go. I a love terrible it. finisher. Yeah. He only jacks. Right. 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 I mean, <laughs> I will say the one thing about Devonte Graham is at the very least he knows what he is. Yeah. I mean, well, and he's a great passer. I mean, he is a he he he's a very willing passer. So I give tons of credit to him for that. But I'm hundred percent in agreement. What I mean. I've kind of been on the anti-David Griffin agenda for a while. Um, so uh, nothing that they did this, uh, nothing that they did this off season inspires any confidence from anybody. It seems like so. I'm, I'm on. Yeah, didn't they give up another pick for some of their other guys? They did weird stuff. Like, uh, let's see. I have the what they did. Um, where is it? Uh, okay, so. They got, yeah, Sadoransky. Sadoransky. Oh, yeah, Tampa. that's right. They got oh, Sadoransky. And they ended up taking Valanchunas. Oh, yeah. yeah, they got Valanchunas. Okay, yeah, right. Course, I mean, yeah. those guys are good, but – and I actually right. like Devontae Graham's fit for them. But it's – do they are they just shuffling chairs? I mean, are they Absolutely. putting that's more shooting like. and playmaking? Like they signed James Johnson. They got – um, Devonte Graham. They got Garrett Temple. They got. I actually like Sadoransky a lot. Um, I mean, maybe it makes sense. I think it all depends on how they shoot and how they defend. And you've got to put the right big man with. I hope Valanciunas is a good guy to put with Zion Williamson. I think that makes more sense. That's the biggest key about that whole thing. If that works. True then it'll be fine. If that doesn't work, it's going to be rough. Yeah. Well, I, I, I guess and, to their credit and kind of a lo- piggybacking off your point, they did get, you know, with Temple, Sadoransky and Graham, they probably improved their outside shooting, you know, and, and maybe. their defense and their veteran leadership. I think putting some really yeah. solid veterans around um, those guys it definitely helps it, winning. Yeah. 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 And, I don't think Eric Bledsoe is a is a great vet to have on your team. So I, I think, you know, Garrett Temple's kind of universally respected. I believe he's an officer in the NBA Players Association. Um I I certainly think those guys will help that team. Uh who's their coach now? <laughs> uh that's a great question. I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, I gotta look. The New Orleans coaches Willie Green. I remember when Willie Green was a player. Yeah, exactly, I know. Yeah. I remember uh, he was a. Was he a Laker? Uh he he was definitely a journeyman. Okay. He played for several different teams. Um, and then I'm gonna try and think about teams that I really liked their off season in the Western Conference, and I don't know. Well, I. The Lakers, maybe. Um, actually, I really think the Warriors had a pretty solid offseason uh, with their draft. Yeah, exactly. It, it's, it's, they they screwed up by not trading those picks for somebody good. But even though they screwed that up, they still got good picks. So. Well, and they still, if a guy like Bradley Beal becomes available this season... Um, right. they've got the ammunition to go and get him. 
Yep. Um, I, I would say they probably had the best offseason in terms of long-term assets. I don't know if it puts them in a position to win now, but it definitely helps them. I like Denver's, you know, basically run it back, get healthy, add a couple more bodies mindset. I was um, just going to say, they got Bones yeah. Highland in the draft, and they picked up Jeff Green, our buddy, our yeah. friend, Jeff Green. Yeah, one of the last two Sonics in the NBA. Oh, dude, that 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 makes me feel. Sad. It's him and KD. I really feel sad when you said that. Nah. <laughs> they'll be back. <laughs> they'll be back. Um, I actually feel like the Eastern Conference kind of got a leg up on the Western Conference this off season. Uh, I I don't see the Eastern Conference getting you know that much better, or the Western Conference having you know, run away with the free agents like they have in the past. So that's kind of fun to see. We're making it back. We're coming back East Coast. Yeah. yeah. Um, just, and w- just in time to get stuck in the lottery for the next five years. <laughs> uh, I, I think I think the Cavs are, you know, a year or two away. They're kind of got to figure out what's going on with Sexton, figure out what, you know, is going on with the Coro. Get that wing slash small forward six seven six eight guy and you know they can build that team around Evan Mobley. I'm excited about their future. I think they have a really good future. It's just young teams don't win in the NBA. That being said, I think there is a lot of these teams that when all these guys, these old guys that they sign get hurt, it's gonna be real interesting to see how fast they start selling off their assets. I think the Heat have a lot of guys a lot of people really like the Heat's offseason, and I'm pretty skeptical of it in terms of the injury proneness and the age of the guys they got. So, yeah. What about yeah, you, Eli? I, Any anybody you love or hate in the Eastern in the Western Conference? Sorry, you were going to say something about the Heat there for a minute. Yeah, I think you know the Heat offseason. I think they definitely improved. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just not. I'm also a little skeptical, mainly because of, you know, the fit. I think in a vacuum, I really like Duncan Robinson. I think he can be a very impactful player. But for the Heat team to be at its peak, I just think it's really hard to play him, Harrow, together because they're just both so bad at defense and their whole culture is predicated on grinding out games. So to me, it's really ironic that they are spending almost $20 million a year on a guy who's an elite shooter, don't get me wrong, but can't defend a lick. Um, I, you know, the Lowry thing, I get why you take a chance. You really believe that you can, you're a winner now. So I get it, but I'm just skeptical because Lowry missed a good chunk of last year. And, you know, he's definitely not getting younger in his game. Uh, he's not a super reliant player on athleticism, but still he's, you know, 35 years old. So it's just, uh, it's just tough. You're, you know, all these teams are just, it's an arms race to see who's faster getting, going downhill towards retirement, starting with the Lakers and the Heat. And, you know, the only teams that are kind of young and still kind of spry are kind of the Nets and, um, it'll be interesting just to see how this whole season plays out because while I really enjoy this arms race, I'm just not sure that, uh, you know, all these things are going to happen, play out like it is on paper. Yeah, 
I, I actually, it, it's really interesting to see the Nets, you know, they Harden and Kyrie feel like to me, one of those guys or both of them get hurt every year. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that plays out. <laughs> I don't know. Um, oh, and the one thing I was going to say is I was actually really surprised that the Nets did not do what Phoenix did with Chris Paul's contract uh, with Kyle Lowry. I actually think Chris Paul's contract for Phoenix was super creative. They basically gave him a four-year year deal, made the last year a player option, and then the third the third year partially guaranteed – which means if they have to stretch him in his second or third year, they can stretch that remaining salary out all the way to the team's, you know, player option year, I believe. So they could stretch that out to, you know, five or even seven years. And I actually think that makes a ton of sense for an older player like that. Um, and I'm a little bit surprised that the Heat didn't do that because... I you know with any of these old guys you sign there's always a real good chance they're going to get stretched and that that contract is just going to be dead money on your cap. It's you bring up a great point Nate. It's funny there's a saying now in our NBA chat uh on Twitter about the salary cap is fake. You know, and there's teams out there that understand this and are making moves to you know improve themselves and I think that Chris Paul example you just gave is one of those. <laughs> well, I mean, so many of these guys anymore that are getting buyouts and you look right. at, um, well, I mean, it's like the Chris Paul deal. They, it was a $120 million contract that only 75 million was guaranteed. Um, and you look at Kemba Walker just got bought out and I don't know if the money's fake, but, you know, one of the things that's really scary for small markets is these guys, you know, just falling off a cliff and trying to trade those. And then, you know, small market teams basically having to pay these terrible contracts out and just have dead money on their books like OKC when they become, you know, the landing area for those terrible contracts. And, you know, there's a lot of people been talking about it with Kevin Love and maybe when we come back in the break. We'll talk about, you know, whether you see Kevin Love on this team next year. And then we'll kind of wrap it up with some stories and, you know, hopes for Cavs free agency in the next uh, few days. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to Cavs, a podcast. You know, I, I touched before the break. A lot of the Twitterverse is, you know, buy out Kevin Love, buy out Kevin Love. Why isn't Kevin Love getting a buyout? Kemba Walker just got a buyout. Eli, do you think Kevin Love gets a gets a buyout this offseason, or do they try and make it work? I think they're going to try to buy him out, but I just the money has to it has to make sense. Unless Kevin like, Love, is how much up, does he have to give up? I think at least fifteen million of sixty. Um, I think Blake Griffin gave up twelve, and that was considered a lot for him. So it's it's a stretch, but I think. The big mistake the Cavs could make is if they stretch the rest of his deal out. I think that's the worst thing they could do, taking that forty-five to fifty million cap hit over four to four years. I think that would be a mistake. Um, I don't think Kevin Love 
will have a major role on this team, even if he does play out the season. And by next season, I definitely think he will no longer be on the team. Chris? Yeah, I think I don't think he'll get bought out this year anyway. I think he plays the season this year um, unless there's the potential for a deadline trade, although I don't see it. I think he's here. Um, I I would agree with Eli. I don't think a buyout, uh, a straight up buyout makes sense, like or or stretch um, amnesty provision makes sense with him. The hit's too great, especially with all the contracts in the future you expect to pay um, with Garland, Okoro, Mobley, you know, coming up in the next three, four, five, six years. Um, which which I guess the stretch provision would be a, a part of that. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, it, the Kevin Love situation got weird real fast because of what happened in Vegas or I guess it was Vegas with him in team USA. And then Jerry Colangelo putting them, or was it Jerry or was it Brian? I can't remember Jerry, who it was. Jerry. It was Jerry putting them yeah, on blast. Jerry like doesn't that. have a burner because he doesn't know how to use Twitter. <laughs> Brian had the there, burner. Yo, there we go. There we go. Um, which was, I mean, not a good look for anybody involved. It was not a good look on Jerry's behalf nor on Kevin's. Um, so the situation. Yeah, I got thought that weird. was super douchey. Yeah, no, it was absolutely there. No one thought it was a. No one thought it was uh, a good move for Team USA basketball uh, to throw a guy under the bus who contributed to you, contributed and had success to you. You know, it was it was absolutely. You're totally right. It was total a dickhead move and. You know, good riddance. He's gone anyway. So I guess that was his. Oh, Jerry shot. Colangelo. Yeah, he's uh, Grant Hill's replacing him. Uh, yeah, as a as a head operator of of uh, the organization. But um, yeah, the, the the love situation got so weird just because I mean he got outed by Jerry for not being in shape, not being healthy, and so um, I don't know. I, I like I buy you know. It, I'm a stupid optimist and 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 uh, Kevin Love die hard and think you know maybe this was a kumbaya you know maybe this was a, a a moment for him to reassess himself and rededicate himself and not to go out like this. So maybe we get an inspired Kevin Love for the season and you know uh, he you know contributes to winning you know and does his role fulfills his role as a shooter in uh secondary playmaker spacer, you know, and, uh, you know, we revisit this, uh, you know, kind of to kind of to Eli's point, I could see very realistically what Eli was saying, you know, maybe something happens next year, next off season with him. So, but, uh, you know, uh, it's really sad kind of, you know, I'm really bummed about it. And, and, and well, and, and the problem is doing anything with him. Uh, someone else on Twitter in the Twitter Cavs, Twitter world made a point. You lose Kevin love. That's your second best, volume three-point shooter you know or besides uh outside of the sexland duo um so you've lost your two best three-point shooters and you're trying you know so what are you going to do to replace that production i have no clue you know i know wade you know is probably the answer you know possibly but how far can you go with wade so and then nance you know is his three ball going to be consistent enough so i don't know um but uh it's sad Sorry, I was Hello. muted there. Um, one of the stories I heard from Twitter basically went like this. It said, if the stories I hear from the Team USA camp are true, 
I think Kevin Love retires. Um, he looked Whoa. very out of shape, very, you know, not even in the same ballpark as these other guys. Is And this is me reading through the lines here. And the other comment was that he had so many other interests outside of basketball or outside of, you know, competitive basketball that maybe he retires and pursues those. And then, of course, now the rumor is he wants to go play with Westbrook and LeBron in L.A. So, of course, there's always the Lake Oswego and Portland Trailblazers rumors, but he does not really fit what the Trailblazers are looking for to get better on defense. So that, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But Kevin Love, to me, um, the best path for everybody, you know, would be a medical retirement. But I don't know if he does that. I, I think he, he would He has to be, walk away from $60 million if he does that, right? No, no, no. A medical retirement says they basically get a doctor to certify that he's not medically fit to play anymore and that he won't be returning. And then what happens is insurance uh, pays 80% of the salary. He comes off the cap. um, And as long as he doesn't play more than like five more NBA games again, he uh, he's just not impacts doesn't impact the Cavs cap going forward. So that would be an interesting option. I don't really see that happening. I think Kevin Love is going to want to try and win another ring and have that pride. But I don't know if he's that guy anymore, especially from what we saw on Team USA. So I think it really is like I would love if Kevin Love either totally rededicated himself to getting in shape and being ready to play basketball or he retired, not do something in the middle. I want him to see like – I want him to come back next year looking like Louis Scola. So, but I don't know that if that's going to happen. Awesome. No, that was. <laughs> I don't know if you guys too. saw Scola at the Olympics. Oh, yeah. He but he man, was he absolutely like jacked. Yes, exactly. He was an Adonis. <laughs> I, I called yeah. him the, uh, Vince McMahon's uh, bastard child. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Well, it, the the final thing I want to say about Love is God, he was awful on Team USA. I watched him play. Like the the first thing that came to my mind was he's got loser brain. He played like a loser. Like that that was. It's like so. What is loser brain? It's just they. It's the. It's taking possessions off, being careless with the basketball not being smart. Like it was just watching a guy who just completely forgot how to play, you know, like that's how bad he looked. He, he was absolutely out of place and absolutely the worst player on that roster um, during the Vegas tenure. Even, I mean, at least Darius Garland showed some moments, you know, like Garland had at least two or three moments of like, Oh, you know, He's making plays out here for Team USA. There was nothing of the sort from Kevin Love. It was bad. It was it was just like the losing has beaten him down, and now he just doesn't play winning ball. You know, he just doesn't care. So, yeah. It was, uh, that, it was that's depressing. I hope yeah. for his sake that he makes a change. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so, you know, Eli, if there was a hope for the Cavs free agency in the next couple days, and I don't know if you've been looking on, 
your phone while this podcast's been going on. But if there was a hope for Cavs free agency for the next two days, what would it be for you? Oh, they would find a wing somehow. <laughs> um, well, well for, for, it, you know, give it, give me more details. Someone who shoots more than uh, someone who shoots better than thirty percent from three, uh, <laughs> and is over six foot five. I mean, that'd be. I'm setting the oh, bar real low here. That. I mean, well, over six foot five, that's still a pretty high bar. <laughs> I, I, really, I, yeah, I really hope the Cavs, they just have this weird affinity for small guards and seven footers. Like, they just can't well, seem to want to find players who are six six or six six to six ten. It feels like they think they have some kind of market inefficiency that no one else thinks exists. I agree. You know what I mean? I agree. And that's what gets them 11 games out of the play and in the Eastern Conference every year. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you, Eli. My, you know, you you read my article. James Ennis is like is sitting right there. Pay him $5 million a year to come in, be a 3-4, hit open threes, and defend. And, you know, how how is that hard? You know, and maybe there's a guy like that that I would much rather have that than Josh Hart at six five, not a good shooter. Again, like you said, wants to be a starter, but probably not going to be a starter on this role. You know, Danny Green, I actually like the option. I think he's pretty washed, but at this point, it doesn't really matter. Veteran leadership and a guy that can hit open threes would be super helpful for the Cavs. It's just kind of funny. I just don't understand why it's this hard. But maybe people really just don't want to play for the Cavs that badly that they'll turn down $5 million. But to me, you know, they are going through the motions. They don't actually want to spend that money. Um, so I don't know. I may, And maybe you'll see a trade. There's guys out there. I think it's all BS. Chris, if there was a move they could make, what would it be? And give us... Uh, your pitch for this week? The move would be trading Sexton because that's really the only thing they have to trade. And that's the only thing that's going to net some type of uh, high level role player, shall we say? A whole high level, high level ish role player vet um, is trading Sexton. Um, excuse me. Uh, yeah, so. That's the hope. Um, I'm really bummed that it was a five-year deal with Allen because that precludes him from being an asset in the possible sign-and-trade scenarios uh, uh, later on this week, possibly, or whatever. No, well, even if if, uh, he was – even with a five-year deal, he wouldn't have been trade eligible till like, December anyway. As a restrictor fee agent? No, as you can't trade somebody you just signed unless – it is a direct sign and trade deal until like oh, December. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So pardon me for that. Yeah. So I yeah. guess, so it's really just Sexton. So, I mean, that's the, that's the final chip. And also that's a, that's also uh, an attempt to kind of reset the timeline with Mobley and Darius Garland and Okoro and, you know, try and build around Mobley. Let's start trying to build around Mobley. Let's find some shooters, Kobe. Let's find some shooters. So, and then the pitch is, uh, the pitch for me is, uh, you know, uh, a shout out to CTB land. Um, if there's something you'd like us to write about, like me to write about, uh, 
is there a subject you want to hear covered? You know, let me know and uh, uh, in the comments section, and uh, that would be awesome. And I'll hope hopefully can deliver for you guys. Yeah, or, or from a podcast standpoint, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, there you go. Eli, anything to pitch? Yeah, I mean, I can't hammer the point enough that the the Cavs need wings, and my favorite wing spot in Columbus is Roosters. So I've been going there a lot, playing a lot of golf. This <laughs> if you're ever in Columbus, and you or you live in Columbus, and you want to hang out with at least one of the CTB boys and get wings, uh, hit us up in the in the comment section. I'd be down to buy you some chicken wings because the Cavs want. So, so do they have the best wings in Columbus? I personally think they are. So okay. Wait, you said Roosters? Yeah. Wingstop. Oh, yeah. Roosters, Roosters is Roosters. good. Yeah, I'll I'll second that notion. Roosters is solid. So there's a Roosters in Canton. They're solid. I, I don't know if their wings were that memorable for me, but I'm a Wink and Lizard guy when it comes to wings. Uh, grilled Caribbean and their Nashville Hot are, are fantastic. So. Oh heck yeah, Nate! You my man, Caribbean baby. <laughs> well, and if you if you ask them, they'll grill them for you, and it it, it adds a whole other dimension of flavor. So. Oh wow! Holy. And they'll fry them, and then they'll grill them. It, it's <sighs> it's off the chain. So made me hungry, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so hungry. that that <laughs> along with the new Fleet Foxes album called Shorelines. If you're a Fleet Foxes fan, their folk rock band used to feature Father John Misty. And I don't know if he's with the band anymore, but um, kind of a poppier, you know, spiritual successor to Crosby, Stills and Nash. Great band. Uh, the album Shorelines is really good. Just came out this year. Love it. And uh, that's all we got on Cavs, the podcast. And uh, thanks for the fan side and network. We're super excited to be a part of it and more yes, details sir. of what that relationship means coming forward. And um, you will not be getting a live read of a manscaped commercial today, uh, even though my <laughs> wife really wanted to do that one. But but maybe the good Ooh. folks at Manscaped will sponsor us next week. So look forward to that. <laughs> and as always, go Cavs. Go, go Cavs. Cavs. Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs Podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. There's a fire. And we're out. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.